September 8th, around 11 o'clock, just a half hour after low tide. And I'm at, whoa, Carrying Place Cove. And I'm walking out on the mud flats here, which stretch, well, I'm not really good at distances, but it's easily half a mile, I'm gonna say. Could be three quarters of a mile out. That's how far the tide has receded here. Just sinking up to my toes and my sandals. A little worried that I'm gonna hit some place and be up to my knees in less than a second. One of the defining features, no, actually, maybe the defining feature of Eastport, Maine is the ocean, specifically the tides and the currents. They are, in a word, dramatic. This mud flat is a perfect example. Nice, dark, rich mud. Most of the day, Carrying Place Cove in Eastport is covered by water. But at low tide, there's no ocean to be seen. And getting up to my ankles. I have to say, the further out I go, the dumber I feel. Why did I think this was a good idea? Whoa, okay. <laughs> oh, my sandal almost came off. This one won't come out. There. Phew. Okay, this is my turning around place. Oh no. Now my other sandal's stuck. There we go. Okay, so if you visit Eastport, maybe you shouldn't walk out on the mud flats. You can say I did it for you. Instead, if you'd like to experience the dramatic tides in Eastport, and there's that word again, dramatic, if you'd like to experience the tides and not get covered in mud, try this. At low tide, head down to the fish pier. It's on the waterfront in downtown. Look for one of the ramps on either side of the pier. I'm walking down a steep ramp down to a boat slip. And when I say steep, I mean, I mean steep. Like I am holding on to a railing, I'm gripping with my toes because I don't want to slip uh, and uh, slide into the ocean here. Down at the bottom, standing at a small boat slip, I'm so far below the pier, I have to crane my neck to see the top. It's dead low tide right now. In Eastport and the surrounding area, like Lubeck and Campobello Island, tides average 18 feet. Now that means if I was to stand here on this dock for the next six and a half hours or so, I'd be lifted up 18 feet. I wouldn't have to crane my neck to see the top of the pier. I could practically hop on it. But of course, I'm not going to hang out for six hours. Instead, I'm headed to see as much as I can of the powerful tides and currents here, including get this, including a huge gyre, an area of whirlpools called the Old Sow. Talk about dramatic. This is Salts and Water, stories from the coast of Maine. I'm Rob Rosenthal. Salts and Water is a podcast series from Experience Maritime Maine. Salts for salty, earthy people, water for the ever-present ocean. On this episode, the drama of Eastport Tides. I have never seen ocean water bubble and swirl and twist about so much. It's like we're in a cauldron. This is the Old Sow. It's a spot off Deer Island, New Brunswick, that's crazy with whirlpools. And believe me when I tell you, that's not the sound of the water at the back of the boat I'm on. That's one of the whirlpools, spinning around and around and around. It mysteriously appears in the water, 
maybe three or four feet across, then just as inexplicably, it disappears. And not just one. There are a dozen whirlpools just like it on this side of the boat. It's remarkable. How many whirlpools are we talking about? Oh, there can be 50 or 100 there at times. Six inches to, say, four feet. Whirlpools on a big tide can get uh, 12 to 20 foot across, four feet deep. That's George Harris Jr. from Eastport. But call him George and he probably won't answer. Everyone calls him Butch. He runs Eastport Windjammers. Butch takes people whale watching and out to the old sow. Why is it called that? I've heard because years ago, just the way it sounds from shore when when it's dead calm, it sounds like an old sow. It makes a lot of racket. Why so many whirlpools in one place? It's where three currents actually collide and trying to squeeze between two points, Deer Island Point and Dog Island Point. It's a giant bowl that's 300 feet deep. Bob Peacock is a harbor pilot. He guides huge tankers through the waters around Eastport. And as the water piles into that bowl coming from three different directions, it gets it spinning. And that's why there's a whirlpool there. I've kayaked in a bunch of places along the main coast, but I'll be honest, there is no way I'd kayak through the old sow. We tend to call kayaks widowmakers for good reason. There's times to play around in it and there's times not to. Well, say around 10, 12 years ago, there was a boat carrying boxes of salmon smolts. he come around the point and get hit by one of them currents. Actually rolled the 80-foot boat down, and all the boxes slid to one side, and the boat rolled right upside down. There were three guys on the boat. Actually, they walked right around the bottom of the boat. They was lucky another boat hadn't be coming by and picked them off. The ocean floor here is hilly, not just at the Old Sow, but everywhere. Run an 18-foot tide over these hills, and you get fast, rapidly changing currents, sometimes up to six or seven knots. So it's not just the Old Sow that mariners need to watch out for. Bob, the harbor pilot, he says wherever you're sailing, it's extreme boating. Lubeck Narrows, Passamaquoddy Bay, Head Harbor Passage, the tides and currents around Eastport get your attention, as Bob puts it. For instance, a ship that comes here from Norfolk with its, you know, a small tide, five, ten feet, they get up here with a 20-foot tide and they get scared to death. I leave here and I go to St. John and there's a 30-foot tide. It kind of catches my attention. The pilots from St. John and I went up to Minas Basin once and Nova Scotia where there's a 50-foot tide and it got all our attentions. Strangely, people on land need to be wary of the water too. Take the two kids Bob told me about that got stuck in a jeep on a sandbar. Tide came up quick, one of them died. Or the MIT professor who was crossing a rocky sandbar near East Quaddy Lighthouse at the tip of Campobello Island. He decided to walk across and the tide caught him. His wife went in after him and the pilot boat in Campobello got him. Um, but he'd already expired by the time they got there. She survived. But it's going so fast across that bar, it can go 10 knots across that bar. And it's colder than hell, you know, so that's another issue, you know. Your feet get numb, and you don't walk so well, you know, that kind of thing. But there's been a lot of people washed off of there. When I say you live or die by the tide, I mean exactly that, you live or die by the tide. Oh, right behind us. Eight o'clock coming towards us. The tides bring life, too. Lots of life. Back on the boat, Butch spotted a minke whale, about 30 feet long. On a triple day on the midsummer, we'll see two or three finbacks. Probably 
10 minkies, hundreds of seals. On occasion, you see a tuna fish jump or a shark. Early summer, we'll see three or four eagles. This time of year, September, it's nothing to see 50 or 60 eagles. Why is all that here? No, just because of the feed in the bay. We have krill and plankton and herring. Probably the most herring I've seen in 20 years in Eastport area. So it was, that brings in all the wildlife. Food, dinner. Yeah, food, that's what they're here for. So we're getting uh, really good minke whale sightings out here on the bay today. Uh, I I live here, I live locally, so uh, I do this every once in a while. I've never seen them come this close to the boat. So those are really, it's really special. It's really exciting. What's your name and where do you live? I'm Penny Geisinger, and I live in Trescott, which is just outside of Lubeck. I'm uh, Sue Milligan, and I'm from Oxford, Maine. What do you think of all the water? The tides and the current and the color and the light. It's amazing and it changes. And to watch the fog banks roll in or look off in the distance. And we taught a lot of um, Robert McCloskey books. And it looks like his books. It feels like his books felt when you read them. Pretty amazing place. Make way for minkies? I'm not sure I read that title, but it's been a good one. (laughs) You don't have to be on a boat to see whales. Kind of blew my mind, actually. I spent a day on Campobello Island. I brought my passport with me because it's Canada. Just saying. Anyway, I hiked across the rocks where the professor was caught off guard and out to East Quaddy Light where minke and finback whales saunter by. I didn't even need binoculars to see them, although they would have helped. As I poked around the shoreline, I ran into a college science class on a field trip. Hello. What are you guys looking at? Oh, just... Everything. We're just looking. It's a marine mammal and pelagic bird class from UMM, from down in Machias. I just saw one. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, another one. Oh, wow. Pelagic birds, by the way, tend to live most of their life on the water. Birds like Jaegers and Shearwaters, Gannets and Razorbills. There's a good chance you'll see some here, and so much more. Why study marine biology here? You can drive 10 minutes away, not even, and you have the ocean right there, and it's your lab, or we can just take a casual drive to Canada and look for whales. (laughs) You can't get this anywhere else. And we can see, like, just even in areas like this, just all the biodiversity just in the intertidal zone. You have the algae there, and then underneath the algae, you can find sea urchins, you can find sea stars. You can just find a whole array of organisms that you can just study right over here, and you don't get that too many other places. You don't get that too many other places. I wonder if that should be the tagline for this part of Maine. In fact, that quality attracts a lot of artists to the area around Eastport. In particular, back in the late 60s and early 70s, about the time of the Back to the Land movement, a lot of artists moved here, many from New York City. Painters and sculptors, printmakers, filmmakers, poets. Why move here? Well, for one, housing was cheap. Apparently, you could buy an entire house for the same amount you could rent one for a summer in Provincetown. For another, to escape. Eastporters sometimes say, it's not the end of the world, but you can see it from here. Well, that's appealing to some artists, a chance to avoid the bustle and competition of the city. This neck of Maine is still a draw for artists. 
For instance, the Tides Institute and Museum of Art runs an artist-in-residence program. Every year, several artists from around the world spend a few months here working and exhibiting. You don't get that to many other places. The same could be said of the photographs of Lisa Tyson Ennis. It's a beautiful style, isn't it? It's about a half an hour before dawn. A slice of silver sky at the horizon colors a flat, calm ocean. This is Lisa's time of day. The sun is just gorgeous on those clouds. What is it you're doing? Just connecting the camera to the tripod. I like very low light uh, because it doesn't leave a lot of contrasty shadows. It's just a very soft light. And it also allows me to have a long exposure, which is what I'm really after. So it means starting early. Lisa is a fine arts photographer, and she makes photos like I've never seen before. I doubt my words will do justice to her work, but I'll try. Lisa's images of the main coast are arresting, truly arresting. They're ethereal. Photos of the shore and old fishing wares and ramshackle buildings photographed as though through the murky haze of time. In fact, time is an essential element of her photos. Lisa prefers long exposures. She'll leave her shutter open for 30 seconds, a minute, several minutes. The long exposure will uh, bring the clouds through scene. It'll soften out the water. Um, and... It makes this composite of time being captured on film, something we can't see with our eye. Uh, So it's always this absolute thrill to see the developed film and see something that we can't see. Lisa moved to Lubeck with her husband just a few years ago from Philadelphia. We are here because of this landscape. I feel a real connection to the environment, which I didn't have when I lived in Philadelphia. I'm very, very aware of, through all my senses, I would say, of the ocean. You know, the hearing, the changing tides, you can pretty much tell what tide it is by the sound, obviously the smell, and the feel of the fog on your skin, and then just the incredible visual beauty and it's always always changing it's so beautiful it's just so beautiful Um, and it has these very dark rocks in the very blue water uh, which of course i'm shooting black and white the water will end up looking sort of smoky white I always try to put as little in the image as possible, so it's very quiet, narrowing it down to the most basic that I can get it. Since I spoke with Lisa, I've thought a lot about what she said regarding her images, that she attempts to capture the most basic. It seems like that impulse may be born, in part, from this place, the area around Eastport and Lubeck and Campobello. Maine, and down east Maine in particular, are often thought of as the edge. Think about it. It's the last place on the east coast of the U.S. before Canada. 
Maine's boldest and rockiest coast bears itself against the cold North Atlantic here. And of course, there are the dramatic tides and the turbulent waters. It's raw, like the reversing falls in Pembroke. It's slightly out of the way, down a couple of dirt roads, but worth the drive. The current is so strong, there's like a standing wave right in front of me. The water is just roiling hard. It's like it's boiling out in the middle of this river. When the tide comes in, it creates a waterfall in one direction. When the tide goes out, the waterfall reverses. Crazy. In Lubeck, down Water Street, there's a little park with a fisherman's memorial. I counted 113 names, confirmation of water's power here, and the hazards of fishing. Right past the memorial, there's a jetty. I don't know if you're supposed to walk out on it, but I did. Seals gather here, waiting for dinner, delivered right to them on a current that rips past the rocks. The seaweed is just swaying back and forth like it was wheat in an open field in a strong wind. And of course, there's Quaddy Head State Park in Lubeck. You've seen pictures of the lighthouse here. I'm sure of it. It's the one painted with red and white stripes. It sounds wild here today, but this is actually pretty calm. The waves are only two to three feet. And what about that boat dock I stood on? The one next to the fish pier in Eastport. Well, today's Thursday still, but now it's about 4.30 in the afternoon, high tide. I was here a little over six hours ago, and I walked down a ramp to get down to a slip, and it was incredibly steep at that time. But right now I'm gonna walk on it, and it's certainly not flat, but the angle going down is so much easier. I don't have to hold the railing. I'm not gripping with my toes like I did last time. I'm on the slip. And uh, earlier, when it was dead low tide, I had to crane my neck to see the top of the pier. Yeah, well, now I can just easily reach up and tap my hand on the top of the pilings. The tide has come up 17 and a half feet today. It's just incredible. Salts and Water, Stories from the Maine Coast, is produced by Experience Maritime Maine. We invite you to visit the website, experiencemaritimemaine.org. You'll learn more about the state's maritime traditions and plan your visit here. This podcast is sponsored by Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors. I have production help from Abby Levin. Thank you, Abby. Thanks also to the Tides Institute and Museum of Art in Eastport for their research help. Our theme music is from Ketza. Additional music from Blue Dot Sessions. Please listen to more episodes of Salts and Water, including stories about women lobster boat captains in Stonington and a swashbuckling fishmonger in Portland. I'm Rob Rosenthal.